This is a New York Glitch production. <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Her Story, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Next to me, we have the Robin to my Batman, none other than Robin himself. Buzz, buzz. How's it going, everyone? Good afternoon. How are we doing today? (laughs) Comfy in your tights? Ooh, super comfy. Thank you very much with the eye mask and everything. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm solving crimes. Solving crimes. Hearing stories. Just another day. (laughs) Do you have a story for me today? I do. I'm excited. Today, we're going to be talking about Nancy Grace Augusta Wake. Perfect. Bunch of first names in there. Yeah, I like all the names. <laughs> I'm telling you all right now, um, when I researched this episode, I had to uh, spoil a few tidbits to Robin over here because I couldn't believe that she was a real person. Um, he, he usually doesn't know what's going on. About anything. And the things. Not he's a, learning. Not, not just he, for this, just in general. He's, just... he's along the ride. Like, he's along for the ride with you guys, but this time I had to spoil, like, one little thing. Anyway, you ready for this Her Story lesson? Boy Wonder is ready. (laughs) Nancy Wake was born on August 30th, 1912 in Wellington, New Zealand. She was the youngest of six children, and her father, a journalist, moved the family over to Sydney, Australia when she was young. And then, shortly after the move, he left the family and sold the house. Forcing his wife and children to find a new home, they were left impoverished oh wow he's a good guy wow love him that story took a hero of the great story turn. i know about <laughs> heroes he sounds like one <laughs> the first chance she got at the age of 16 she left home she found work as a temporary nurse and luckily she was awarded a small inheritance from an aunt and she was able to then leave australia at the age of 20 with her inheritance she was able to make her way to london In London, trying to find a job wherever she could, she responded to a want ad for a freelance journalism job. Nice. Wake faked her way into being hired. There you go. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. That's what they say in the biz. Yeah. Well, Nancy told a Hearst newspaper executive that she was fluent in Egyptian, knowing that it was his favorite topic. He asked her to demonstrate. And he read a passage to her and asked Nancy to dictate it. Even though she was wildly unqualified and did not, in fact, know Egyptian, she did know shorthand. Wow. Mm -hmm. And traditional shorthand looks a lot like hieroglyphics to those who aren't familiar. (laughs) And he then said, now read it back to me. To which she was able to do because she took down the whole passage he read in shorthand so she he just recited it and then showing him this picture this like page of notes that look like hieroglyphics she, seems, she sounds so very cool. capable she she sounds uh, very capable i just i don't uh, she sounds overqualified for this position honestly really think it on her feet <laughs> so while working as a freelance journalist for the newspaper she was all about living the parisian nightlife to the fullest Uh, She was a spunky, beautiful, strong-minded brunette. In 1936, Nancy met a wealthy playboy, Henry Fiocca. Yeah. 
He was an industrialist from Marseille. Oh. Yeah. The two married and settled down three years later. The two were socialites. They were the champagne and caviar sort. They, They do sound fancy. Yeah. You know. And when asked why she was attracted to him, she said he was tall, he could dance the tango, and if you dance the tango with a nice tall man, you know what eventually will happen, don't Oof. you? <laughs> I mean, that's just some good chemistry right there. She knew automatically. I love it. It's so fun. I love the tango. I like dancing. Yeah. yeah. Dancing in the street. Dun, 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 dun. While on assignment in Vienna in the mid-1930s, Nancy bared witness to roving Nazi gangs randomly beating Jewish men and women in the streets. Then and there, she promised herself that, quote, if ever the opportunity arose, I would do everything I could to stop the Nazi movement. She also said, my hatred of the Nazis was very, very deep. Life was about to make an incredible shift, and quickly. The Germans invaded France in 1940, and here was Nancy's chance to make good on her promise. Her wealth and social standing gave her somewhat of a cover as she helped members of the local resistance groups. She was initially an ambulance driver, and then she also found that if she flirted with German soldiers, she could get through certain checkpoints. I like that she used her social status and position to help the people. Yes. And also, she knew how to work those men. Yes. And, but she <laughs> also... Soldiers. Yeah. Oh, silly, right? And yes. she also knew, though, like, she knew that she had a duty in her standing yeah. to use that. She had a responsibility yeah. for sure. Of yeah. Course. Yep. Quickly, she became a trusted courier and escort for allied soldiers and refugees. She said, quote, it was much easier for us, you know, to travel all over France. She knew. <laughs> she would hide people in her home and then leave them over the Pyrenees to safety in neutral Spain. Excellent. She would also pay hefty bribes to get prison guards to free people who had been captured by local authorities. By 1943, occupation authorities had become aware of her activities, so Nancy had no choice but to flee France. Her husband, and the man she later referred to as the love of her life, stayed behind to settle some family business, but promised to meet her in England afterwards. Nancy fled, but Henry would never make it. I'm getting all sad. that's unfortunate. He was arrested, tortured, and then murdered by the Nazis after he refused to reveal Nancy's whereabouts. Wow. I mean, you know. That's a ride or die if I have ever heard one. Yeah. Yeah. And a true, um. That's that's a good partner. I mean, they were really, they were in it. They were in the good fight. And they were dedicated to Mm -hmm. this cause that they didn't have to be dedicated to. They weren't at all being the ones targeted yeah and they, they still knew it was part of their fight I mean, they yeah. Had to. yeah it took several attempts but nancy was finally able to make it to spain on the back of a coal truck there had been an earlier incident where nancy was forced to jump from a moving train and she drew gunfire from german soldiers as she was trying to escape oh that's awesome on some calamity Jane oh my gosh of, she's like so cool. that's awesome she i mean cool i it, that sounds like a movie, though. Yeah, that sounds exactly. really cinematic. Exactly. Like that scene in particular James sounds Fox? like a whole movie. Like, what's better, happening? better than that. Money Penny. Oh yes. Money Penny. Yeah. 
In England, Nancy was accepted to undergo training in the British Special Operations Executive. They were an intelligence group working with the French resistance. She spent eight months there training in weapon handling, guerrilla warfare, and hand-to-hand combat. She said, quote, I don't see why we women should just wave our men a proud goodbye and then knit them balaclavas. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> She's like, what? No, I can fight in this too. We're people of the country as well. Yeah. Like, there's no... We, you can, we're all, we can be utilized in more ways yeah, than I one. don't want to die. I, want, I don't want to die making pastries. I need to fight. Yeah, yeah. For my country. Exactly. In April 1944, at just 31 years old, Nancy was called to duty. She was among 39 women and 430 men who were parachuted into France to help with the preparations for D-Day. From Spain. She was part of the... Oh, I'm sorry. There, well, yeah, they in Spain, right. but that's where their headquarters were. Yes, so they were parachuted. Oh, I thought they were part of the. Oh, that's still cool. Yeah, uh, that's still cool that they arranged all those people to yeah. go in. Ugh. So she collected night parachute drops of weapons and ammunition, and she hid them in storage caches for advancing Allied armies. Crafty. She, I know, she was also able to set up wireless communications with England, and she also. Just, like, harass the enemy while she was at it. Wireless communication and then trolling the Nazis. Yeah. She sounds really funny. And when asked if she was afraid, if she was ever scared, she said, I was never afraid. I was too busy to be afraid. Yeah. See, yes. League of her own. I know. In order to gain the respect of the men around her, she would regularly challenge them to drinking contests and would wildly drink them under the table. On the same token, she reportedly didn't go anywhere without her Chanel lipstick, face cream, and a favorite red satin cushion. Well, yeah. One of her colleagues in the French Resistance said, quote, She is the most feminine woman I know until the fighting starts. Then she is like five men. Wow. I know. That's... Oh, she's a hero. She yeah. is so... Oh. Nancy was able to plan and execute a successful raid on a... On a Gestapo garrison and an arms factory in 1944. Impressive. The Gestapo had placed a large bounty on her head, and she was able to evade capture and death, which was something, which was really something, considering that one-third of the 39 women serving in the British Special Operations Executive in France didn't come home. So 13 of the 39 didn't make it. Wow. Do you even need further proof of how much of a badass this woman was? I would love more. Not that I, I, you haven't already proven it, but it's always nice. <laughs> there was a German counterattack against the McKee disrupted that disrupted communication lines. She covered 200 kilometers by bike over hostile ground to give and receive messages. Wow. She slept in haystacks or in the open during her 72-hour journey. Hmm. She was able to successfully reestablish radio contact with London. Remember her hand-to-hand combat training? She apparently killed a man with her bare hands. Mm. With an insane karate chop to the neck. Um, yes, please. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Robin is very impressed she, with those with those techniques. Yeah. She, <laughs> Robin. She also showed no mercy in general. There were three French women that not Nancy suspected might be German spies. After interrogating them, she was satisfied that two of the three were not spies, but the third had a different fate than the others. Oh. She sentenced the third to death by firing squad. Oof. 
In an interview with an Australian newspaper in 2011, she said this of the incident. Quote, I was not a very nice person and it didn't put me off my breakfast. After all, she had an easy death. She didn't suffer. I knew her death was a lot better than the one I would have got. And if I hadn't done it and she had got away and reported to the Germans what the Maquis were up to, how could I have ever faced the families of the Maquis de Sades who we lost because of it? It was definitely the right thing to do. The German military described her as... La Souris Blanche. Do you, you, you know a little French. Uh, Any guess? You know. I, Pull out that Duolingo. I honestly do want to venture a couple guesses, but I can't. Just I'm one. not even. Just one. The, can you repeat it again? La Souris Blanche. Okay. She's the, she's the, some, she's the Surrey something. Nope. Right? Is Surrey, Surrey's not the name of a place? No. No. Oh. Souris. No. The White Mouse. Oh, Blanche is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and Suri. See, oh. it would be, if you read it, if you had read it, I think you would have gotten it. I think so, but yeah. maybe not also. I yeah. don't know, 50-50. <laughs> I do crime fighting mostly. That's my thing. Right. That's my angle. Right. Yeah. Robin over here. Robin over here. <laughs> so the white mouse is what that translates to. She was nicknamed this because of her ability to elude capture. She had numerous close calls between 1940 and 1944, but was always able to give her pursuers the slip. <laughs> After the war, Nancy was never quite able to figure out what to do with her life. She said, quote, it's dreadful because you've been so busy and then it all just fizzles out. She worked briefly for the British government. After that stint, she returned to Australia, where she unsuccessfully ran for public office in the early 1950s. While in Australia, she married retired Royal Air Force pilot John Forward in 1957. That's a difficult sentence to John say. John Forward. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's a pilot. <laughs> Well, they had a long and happy marriage. He passed away 40 years later in 1997. Nancy once again made her way to London in 2001. Her life had been used as the basis for numerous film and television productions. You can't make that sort of life up. And there's so much that I didn't even go into. She generally approves of the adaptations, but one specific one she had major qualms with was an um, Australian documentary that was released in 1987. She took particular issue with the insinuation that she had love affairs during the war. She said, quote, And in my old age, I regret it. But, you see, if I had accommodated one man, the word would have spread around and I would have had to accommodate the whole damn lot. Uh, you know... But she's not wrong. <laughs> I, I, like, I like how... She, she's so... I like how she thinks of herself because... She's just like, listen, I could have, wish I did, but I, didn't, but I didn't. So say it accurately, and if I had, I'd have had to do them all. But also, that's such a, <laughs> it's such a weird way to... Like, that's such a dumb way to slander someone. Oh my like, gosh. Or, like, what or is that just proof? like, what, what a what stupid... What, what measure is that? What a stupid plot line to add into a documentary that's, that didn't even exist. Well, yeah. it goes even further. There was also a TV miniseries that aired around the same time that she was furious about she said quote for goodness sake did the allies parachute me into france to fry eggs and bacon for the men <laughs> there wasn't an egg to be had um 
for there wasn't an egg to be had for love nor money and even if there had been why would i be frying it when i had men to do that sort of thing for me there you go honestly Get she wasn't out of here she wasn't hired as a chef so why why did they keep showing her as like preparing these meals and she's like guys i was uh, i was actually collecting the ammunition and also killing a man i was plotting everything and <laughs> you know make sure that we had contact with the army you know yeah. over a course of 72 hours yeah. i had no time to fry a freaking egg yeah. And also, you think we had around. eggs? Yeah, and also we didn't have eggs. Yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Where would we keep our we eggs? We were getting shot at all the time. Yeah. I had a bounty on my head. I did not have time to fry an egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For oh. men. Yeah. <laughs> Groups of people. I would be, I'm furious now, too. I Damn. Know. I'm getting Stupid. all sweaty just thinking about it. It's annoying. Oh, my gosh. Why dramatize it like I that? Know. Her story's cool enough. There doesn't need to be, like, a romantic element or, like, a, you know. Or, well, I think it was so people could be more comfortable. They were used to seeing men cooking things on TV, so maybe it was something that they could, um, maybe they were like, to make it more realistic, we'll make her cooking something, too. Like, get out. But Ugh. How could she have done all that? I know. Well, Nancy received numerous medals for her wartime services, so much so that she she claims she lived out her old age on the proceeds from their sale. She was awarded the um, George Medal, which is Britain's second highest civilian honor. She was awarded the Medal of Freedom, which is the United States' second highest civilian honor. Um, She was awarded the Legion uh, Legion d'honneur, which is the highest military honor in France that you can get. Mm-hmm. And Australia reluctantly and belatedly honored her, to which she responded like this. They can stick their medals where the monkey stuck his nuts. If they gave me a medal now, it wouldn't be for love, so I don't want anything from them. She then sold it and donated the proceeds to charity. I was going to say, I wonder if she had said, like, thanks but no thanks, but that's a better, more eloquent eloquent way of uh telling him to <laughs> stick it with a something she was trying. like nope 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 yeah next yeah you won't be able to find any of her journalism work from her early years apparently back then it was common practice to not publish the names of female freelance journalists and most of their work was published under the name of their male supervisor i wonder if it was because of any bad luck or anything get out You're fired from this podcast. Robin is confused. (laughs) She is absent from U.S. history books and journalism courses. Probably because she's not American, but also not a man. That's absurd. Think about it. Yeah, that's... I'm kind of surprised that I didn't hear about it in the global... uh, I mean, in the history high school that I went to. uh, Because we did a lot of history that we didn't... World War II and stuff. Mm -hmm. Nope. I don't think I ever learned about any women aside from Red Cross women. Joan of Arc. No, I mean like during World War Two. Oh, oh. Mm, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think I ever heard about women doing anything except for, um, which is ridiculous. The Red Cross like... stuff and um, Ro- Rosie Riveter is that what her name is? Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter. Rosie you know, Riveter. You know what the thing <laughs> is too, cricket. but I bet if you go to, yeah, but if you go to other um. But if you go to other countries and you find that, and you re- you read their uh, stories about uh, World War Two or just other wars, like women probably you know may or may not have more or less of an. I of, uh, highly doubt. Really, anywhere outside of like France, I was actually thinking France too. That's so funny. Even a blip I was in like, their I'm history. I'm sure the French have like 
I, I don't know. I I'm would sure. hope. I, I'd like to think that there are think. a handful of other countries. I mean, even Spain regard a lot of their queens, even mm-hmm. though the queens were like, you know, were just like right. not the most pleasant sure. people, like not the yeah. fairest rulers, but like, it's you know, in- or, it's just so interesting though that it even even the fact that like I don't know, it just feels weird. It feels weird to me that someone who literally like restored communications for this whole she was part restored of D- wireless she was communication part of D-Day. what she is was, that she was one of 39 women who were part of d-day what would How wireless not... communication look like in world war ii besides like more besides, like walkies like... no stuff. i know but oh, i'm saying like, like no. she had to physically do that for three days and like yeah is... and it's just it's crazy i want to see a movie about that i think the biggest <laughs> thing to me is literally she was one of 39 women and they haven't even like and that's not someone that we've talked about Ugh. They what? should do a movie about these women. Let's write it. Or at least a handful, <laughs> you know? That could be really cool. Copyright you heard Her Story first, Podcast, so New York if Glitch. If you do it, we know. Robin knows all. <laughs> as a young woman, Nancy described herself as someone who loved handsome men, especially Frenchmen, and a woman who loves a good drink. Well, yeah. Nancy Wake spent the last years of her life in a nursing home for retired veterans. You could regularly find her at a nearby hotel bar, the same bar that she had her first bloody good drink mm. after the war, nursing a gin and tonic. It's a classy My woman. My kind of lady. I like that, yeah. <laughs> Nancy died at the ripe old age of 98 wow. of natural causes. Wow, good for her. What a awesome. life. I'm, Yeah. Oh man, ninety eight. She saw a lot of things come and go. Oh my she gosh, saw... and she's. Yeah, I'm surprised that there's no movie. I mean, we have Saving Private Ryan. We have, like, uh, per- the Pearl Harbor movie with Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. And this um, writes itself. The the new Tom Hanks World War Two movie. You know, like this is Tom this... Hanks goes to gets to be in World War Two twice, and we do not have one female story <laughs> about World War Two. And you know what's crazy? This literally writes itself to the even so far as to the point where she faked her way into a freelance journalism job by writing fake Egyptian hieroglyphics, then being sent on assignment and seeing this Nazi warfare in person and resigning to make a difference, and then the war breaks out, and then she's part of it. She's in the special ops. Oh my god! You know, who do you off just off the top of your head if you could pick like a new, like a female actress right now to play her like uh her during world war Two, so she was kind of well younger, i know what right? she looks like Red but i said right no that's oh, oh that's the oh uh, this is a brunette she's a brunette she kind of honestly so i would want like an emily blunt she's a little i get she's a little older for this role just because she's only supposed to be like 28 during most of this stuff but well i guess 30 but um who's the girl from uh what's the name from star wars uh who played ray she would be super cool i think emily blunt maybe she's a little too nice i think uh, emily blunt like later years yes yeah yeah yeah. later years yes Uh (laughs) uh-huh absolutely right when we see her in her older she would be good Mm -hmm. Uh, especially you know what when i show you pictures of what she looks like that's actually a really good Oh, I, I, I so want to remember good. her name, and I really can't, and I'm yeah. going to think about it until we're as done soo- with this. <laughs> as soon as we start. If I remember it, she's going to be blurred I'm out. not going to think about it until the next episode, and if <laughs> I think about it any time during the recording, I'm just going to say it out loud. Oh. It won't even be relative to what we're talking about, oh but gosh. we'll all know. It'll be our own little 
inside joke. But yeah, she, she, I really think this this just writes itself. I mean, it almost sounds it so doesn't sound real. How crazy and it's so real. The stories just are. incredible. You know, so much life that she lived and um, unapologetically, but not in a um, malice way. Sure, I think it was. No, she was doing it for the greater good. sense of duty, yeah. and I think she was very candid. There's the word that I would think of us describing her candid she's honest she's like listen i wasn't upset about having that woman executed because she was a spy and i know that firing squad was going to be a more pleasant death than the one i would have suffered had i you know so i just i really i had so much fun researching her because she lives it's i think a big part for me personally when i get to when i'm researching and writing these is that um when they live to a ripe old age, you know, yeah. and had a happy life after this major event. It's it's very uplifting for me, even through, I'm sure, all of, I mean, what a harrowing journey she went through. But it's something where she lived to be almost 100 years old. And she was still, like, sitting there drinking her gin and tonic and is like, I love a man who dances. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a French man who, who dances and a gin and tonic and I am... I'm good to go. Yeah, she still she still sounded of you know, she you know of sane mind yeah. like in her late in her late years, which was like she went she endured World War Two, and she, she was through, also she was like, able to still be um, a, a sass monster with um with Australia who waited really long to even acknowledge so she was she's a native australian yeah so that's why she was like when they finally were like okay well everybody else gave you an award we'll give you one too she's like i don't care that they even sounded like that when they said it like that was just ridiculous (laughs) it's like adding insult to injury it really is how dare you try that's why she was like cool i'll sell it donate the money yeah yeah no she totally she totally yeah i'm glad she did that um so she was a boss yeah um any closing statements robin um you know she i i can't wait until we write her story until (laughs) Until we write the movie until we write the movie or until we inspire someone else out there to write something about her um there are many other stories like her that are definitely not told that should be because yeah you know and told well not just like frying eggs in a weird like no yeah servicing no No unnecessary she parachuted really to cook for men like no that's for what (laughs) <laughs> that's my closing statement especially especially i think i think something that why she was so offended about the like having love affairs in during the war was that she describes her first husband as the love of her life and he didn't make it with her yeah and he sacrificed himself for her for the cause and i think that was just so offensive to then because that was so quickly after the I mean he died and then she was shipped over like a year and a half later mm-hmm. and to then have people saying that that soon after you were just like sleeping with the rest of the platoon is so insulting to be like I'm sorry look at the sacrifices that my family has made for this and you're going to diminish it by saying love affairs were involved yeah I think Every war movie that shows women only being in that subservient uh, role is pretty lame. Because that's just so unrealistic. Yeah. I mean... It's one thing to portray them as, like, incredible nurses. Even if they were fighting, yeah. Or or if they've been hired as... 
as a, a chef, mm-hmm. as a cook. That's different than women who have been brought into this for other reasons to then still have them performing other duties well, that are not of like their that. like that's crazy get out of here yeah. no are you kidding me yeah. no you you especially know especially when the real life events are so much better than that yeah mm-hmm. you know the re- what really happened is so much more interesting than her cooking eggs and having love affairs what they should have done was was have like women be spies because like if the if the traditional role right exactly but like that should have been like more of a thought process where instead because it's so unassuming no one's going to expect a woman to be a spy it's like done with with, um what we talked about with polycarpa oh yeah you know where no one expected anything Mm -hmm. they just lowly servant Mm -hmm. lo and behold boom boom Um, women doing stuff (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so Robin's pretty content. That was yeah. a, that was a cool story. That was a good I episode. That. Um, yeah. You know, not not all heroes wear capes, <laughs> and not and not all heroes are men. In fact, most are not. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, I'm gonna go fight some crime. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, with a mask on. Thanks for coming, Robin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you all so much for tuning in again. We can't tell you how much it means to us. Before you skedaddle. Make sure you rate and review the show. It really helps the podcast gain a little more ground so that more and more people can be inspired by badass women like Nancy. You can follow us on Instagram at Women of Her Story Podcast, and you can also reach out to us via email at Women of Her Story Podcast at gmail.com. Tune back in this Friday for an interview with artist Martha Tuttle. She is an incredible artist who creates beautiful wall sculptures that make you want to spend all day outside. Until then, be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Bye.